Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to the jar. We're so glad that you're here today. Um, are you ready for some football? Yeah. I figured. Um, well, before we jump into the teaching today, I just want to uh, give you a little bit of a preview of our next series. Our next series uh, is going to be called uh, Wiser. And what we're going to be doing is looking at the book of Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs is a book in the Old Testament, uh, the first half of the Bible. And uh, Proverbs are wise teachings to help us live a life uh, that is more wise. And so uh, I would encourage you to be a part of this. Next week, we're going to talk about being wise in our work. And so if uh, you have a co-worker uh, that you've been thinking about inviting, uh, this would be a great time to invite them because we're going to be talking about something that most of us spend about a third of our life doing, and that is work. And so a co-worker or neighbor, um, please feel free to invite them and uh, we'll uh, be able to share about getting wiser in our work. Deal? Deal. 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 Okay. Now, our uh, teaching today really focuses on one particular word, and that word is the word together. Together. So to begin this morning, I'd like you to turn to the person beside you, and when you think of the word together, what is the first thing that kind of comes to your mind, or how would you define it? So go ahead and uh, talk to the person beside you there for a second. Okay, now for all the introverts, because the extroverts are still talking, so go ahead. <clears throat> okay, uh, well, I asked our two philosophers in our house, our uh, seven-year-old and our five-year-old, and our seven-year-old said this. Uh, she said, together means people holding hands together across the world. And I was like, that's like really cool. Like she should probably teach, you know, instead of me. Um, and then our five-year-old said this, together means putting things together with you, daddy. Now you say, oh, I don't know how to put anything together. Like <laughs> literally this kid is going to be screwed up for the rest of her life because she's going to think that I know how to put things together and I don't. Um, but for me, uh, when I think of this word, I go back to the days when I was dating my wife, Jennifer. And what I had to do was I had to take this word together and I had to kind of break it up. And this is what I came up with to get her. OK. <laughs> and so it worked. And uh, together, uh, you know, to get her. Some of you are like, what's he even talking about? OK, break that word up. OK. And then you got together. So uh, break it up. Three things there to get her. Um, and she's been stuck with me. There's a picture. Uh, she looks beautiful, hasn't changed too much. That guy with the big glasses and mustache, like, he looks like he should be on America's Most Wanted or something. You know what I mean? Um, so uh, she's stuck 
with me and has been for 20 years. Well, I asked this question uh, of uh, my Facebook friends this week, and this is what some of their responses were. Uh, when they thought of the word together, friends and family, some people said marriage. Some people said their small group, their community. Some people said not being alone. And one that was uh, encouraging to me said being for each other and cheering each other on. And I thought, wow, what a, what a great way to think about that. Being for each other and cheering each other on. Well, when it comes to the jar and what we're about, one of the things we are about is this word togetherness. Okay? togetherness. And when we define it, this is how we define it. Doing life deeply with God and with each other. Doing life deeply with God and with each other. Now, I think that the perfect symbol uh, for this concept of togetherness is actually the cross. And uh, we'll put a cross up here. And if you think of the uh, kind of vertical uh, part of the cross, um, that really is the relationship between uh, you and God. So there's God and there's you and there's this vertical relationship. Now the horizontal bar uh, kind of represents uh, that relationship between you and others. So between you and other uh, people. Now this relationship, you've got to realize it always begins first with God. It begins with God first and then God coming to you. And you really need to understand that that's what God did. Uh, God actually left the comfort of heaven and he came to planet earth for you. And not just for you, but for everyone in the world. And how did God accomplish this? Well, he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to leave heaven. I mean, like God's son, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, were living in community together in heaven since the very beginning. And God finally, God the Father comes to God the Son and says, Hey, it's time for you to go to planet Earth. And he came to Earth in the form of a baby and grew up to be Jesus the Christ. And Jesus took the longest walk in human history. He actually left planet Earth, or he left heaven, and he came to planet Earth. And he did it because of his love for you. And he lived among us. And while he was here, he gave us the greatest commandment. And the greatest commandment uh, is this. Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So what Jesus basically was saying was, if you take all of the Old Testament, all of the first half of the Bible, all the teachings, that it can be summarized down into this passage of Scripture. That you have this vertical relationship where you love God and this horizontal relationship where you love others. 
And it's at the intersection of the cross, folks, that is the essence of togetherness. That we choose to live out the great commandment of loving God and loving other people. Well, ten years ago, there were six people that met in my living room. Almost ten years ago. Our uh, anniversary will be October 26th. And uh, on uh, around ten years ago, six people were in my living room. And we decided that we wanted to be a great commandment kind of movement. That we wanted to love all of Muncie and... Delaware County, and all of East Central Indiana into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so we kind of developed a vision statement, and for some of you, uh, this might be review, but for some of you, it's new. And this is our statement, to love our community into a relationship with Jesus Christ. That that's the essence of who we feel like we're called to do. But when we first were talking about this, our target group was not people in the church. It was not people who were churchgoers. But it would be people who would be maybe resistant to the whole God thing. Or maybe people who actually got burnt by the church at some point. Or they had visited a church or a few churches, but just kind of felt like there was nothing for me. Now, when we first started this concept about 10 years ago, there were already 60 churches in Muncie. So it wasn't kind of like, you know, Muncie needed another church. But when we started thinking about starting a church for people who don't go to church, the more we talked about it, we were like, people were telling us, that's not a good idea. Like, that's really not a good idea. That's like having a motorcycle club for people who don't like motorcycles and who don't ride motorcycles. That's what that's like. And, you know, people don't want to be a part of that. And it just wasn't a good idea. But we were young and we were dumb. And so we just said, we're going for it. And so we did. And even though everyone told us that it wouldn't work, they said, starting a church in an upstairs, that's where we started, in an upstairs of a YMCA, it's not going to work. And that starting a church in a downtown, economically depressed community, it's not going to work. And we were like, well, we're going to go for it anyways. Now, to be honest, folks, we didn't know if it would work. In fact, all of us who were a part of that original kind of core, we all went to churches where everyone was already in church. So we had never gone. We had never been a part of this. We had no idea what it was going to look like. But we were going to be a different kind of church, a church that would kind of break the mold. And this is what we decided to do, and this is how we would do church. First of all, we said, together we will share the love of Christ with those who are disconnected from Christ in the church. That that was going to be a central part of who we would be. That we were going to share the love of Christ with those who were disconnected from Christ in the church. We were going to fulfill that great commandment that Jesus had. Love God and love everybody else. Now, the way that Jesus did this, of going about his uh, concept of building the church, uh, is 
a version that he wrote. So I want you to hear what he had to say. Um, there was a guy that wrote down Jesus's words. This guy was named Matthew, and he was one of Jesus's disciples, one of his followers. And in chapter 28, this is where we have this uh, account. Now, there isn't just one account of Jesus's life. There's actually four accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which is kind of cool. Uh, writers give a different kind of perspective. But in Matthew, in the very last chapter, he gathered his closest uh, followers together. And originally, think about this for success. Those of you who are in the business world or you like numbers. He invested his life for three years into thousands of people, fed thousands. And at the end of his life, there were like 12 <laughs> that were sold out. Okay? So, and it didn't even end up being 12. If you remember, it eventually became 11 because what happened? Who, who left? Judas. Judas was not in the picture. So they went from 12 to 11. I'm sure they're hanging out at that point going, wow, <laughs> like we're what's left, you know, we're the remnant. And he got them together and he said, hey, I'm going to give you the mission that I want you to fulfill. And eventually it became this thing that we call the church. And in Matthew 28, verse 16, this is what it says. Then the 11 disciples... That's everyone except Judas. Went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, and this is very interesting, they worshipped him. Now this concept of worship doesn't mean people who stood up and they sang along with a band. Okay? That's not worship. This concept of worship was that... When these 11 disciples saw Jesus, they got on their knees and they laid down and they allowed their faces to fall on the floor. And as Jesus walked by, they were just like in awe. They're like, Jesus. And this word worship uh, possibly means kiss the feet. They, they kiss the feet like an important king or someone of great importance that walks by. They literally worshipped him that way. Now, why would they be like, ah, Jesus? It's because just a few weeks earlier, they saw this same guy on a cross... And he died. He was done. No heart. Nothing beating. They saw him wrap him up and put him in a tomb. He's done. And then all of a sudden, a few weeks later, they see him show up in their midst and they're like, Whoa. Like, it's Jesus. Then verse 17. And this is a really important little detail. Now, some of you are just checking out this whole God thing, uh, this church thing, or maybe you're reconnecting with the church uh, for the first time in a while. And if you were honest, you're kind of skeptical. I mean, you're just kind of skeptical about all this kind of stuff. 
And I just want you to know that the Bible is full of skeptics. <laughs> like it's, it's full of skeptics. And look at what it says in verse 17. In fact, let's read this out loud. But some doubted. Some doubted. I love that Matthew included that because there were some people who fell on their face and they worshiped Jesus and they're like, ah, it's Jesus. But there's at least one or maybe two that were like, how can that be Jesus? Like we just saw him die. We saw him die. We saw him put in a tomb. He's gone. Some doubt it. Verse 18. Then Jesus came to show them and said this. And this is, I mean, this is an arrogant statement. Like This is a very arrogant statement, unless it's true. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. That's pretty bold. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, the only way you can say that, folks, is either you're a lunatic and you're nuts and you're crazy, or it's true. And since he had just risen from the dead, the disciples were like, it must be true. Because think about it. If you have, a, if you have power over death, Don't you think you probably have some authority over everything? Verse 19. Therefore, in other words, since all this authority has been given to me, here's what I want you to do. He said, go and make disciples of all the nations. Now, this word disciple is not a word that we use in our culture very much. Not at all. Uh... But the word means to be a follower, or you want to be a learner of people, of Jesus. And Jesus says to these 11, I want you to go from this place, and I want you to connect with people that don't know me, who've never heard about me, who do not know about my teachings, and I want you to connect with them in such a way that they will become my disciples, my followers. They're not going to be your disciples, Matthew. They're not going to be your disciples, John. They're not going to be your disciples, Peter. They're going to be my disciples. And then there was this big aha moment. And guys, I don't want you to just stay where you're comfortable here in Jerusalem. I actually want you to leave from Jerusalem. And I want you to leave from those that you know, Jewish people. And I want you to hang out with people who don't even know the Old Testament story and who have no idea of this concept of the Messiah. This is not a message just for Jewish people. This is not a message just for religious people. I want you to take this to every single nation in the entire world. I want you to bug people. I want you to prod people. I want you to bother people. 
And I want you to do everything you can to leverage your influence so that they might become my followers, my disciples. And then he says this, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. If you've ever been to one of our baptisms before, and you've seen us baptizing people, and we say, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we're not making it up. Like, we didn't just pull it out somewhere. Jesus said it, so that's what we're doing. That's what we do. Jesus says, when you baptize them, then baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is one of the reasons why we baptize adults. Maybe some of you have come from backgrounds or you've been a part of a culture in which um, there were babies that were baptized or babies that were Christian. Uh, Christ, uh, Christian. And in the midst of doing that, uh, there's nothing wrong with that, but what we do is we dedicate people who are children because the Scripture is pretty, pretty clear that we baptize adults because Jesus said, once they become followers of me, once they become my disciples, then I want you to baptize them. So what we generally do is people will come and they'll say, I am a follower of Jesus. I am going to follow him. I want to be uh, defined as a learner of him. And then they're baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Verse 20. And teaching them, here's the next part, teaching them, in other words, all these baptized people, that's why we encourage people to get baptized, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded. So here's what I want you to do, Jesus said. I want you to go into the world where people do not know about me, they do not know about my teachings, and I want you to connect and build relationships with people who are disconnected from me, and I want you to introduce them to my teachings, and I want you to do whatever it takes for them to become followers or learners or disciples of me. And I want you to teach them everything that I taught you. And then he puts a promise that's tacked on to the end, which is so powerful. Let's read it out loud together. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Isn't that like the best promise? I woke up this morning and I was just like, man, he's with me. Like I didn't hear an audible voice. I didn't see Jesus visibly, but his presence was there. Why? Because 2,000 years ago, he promised. I don't know how he does it, but supernaturally, in a mystical way, his presence is there and you sense it. You feel it. That's why sometimes when you're uh, worshiping, uh, with the music, you'll feel a goosebump or you'll sense God saying something to you, maybe in a prayer. And why? Because He's already promised that He is with us always. Even in your darkest moments, He is with you. And it's amazing. It's amazing that this group of 11 guys figured out how to share the love of Christ and make disciples. And He devoted followers and he, and he helped to create these devoted followers and learners of Jesus. So ten years ago, this is what we did. We said we're going to take all of the eggs and put it into one basket. 
And the basket is that together we will share the love of Jesus Christ with people who are disconnected from Christ in the church and teach them the practical words of the Bible to the point where we can direct them towards Jesus. And at first, folks, it was just a handful. And then it became two handfuls. And then there were dozens and a few more dozens and then a hundred and then a few hundred and then over 300 of changed lives being transformed made new. Now, the second thing we decided of how we would do church is that together we would serve people who are disconnected from Christ and the church with a high level of acceptance. That we would serve people who are disconnected from Christ and the church with a high level of acceptance. Romans chapter 15, verse 7 says this. Accept each other just as Christ has accepted you. Then God will be glorified. Now let me ask you this question. How did Christ accept you? He accepted you unconditionally. Without reservation. As is. As is. Folks, when you begin this vertical relationship with God, and you come to Him, anytime you come to Him, you are a hundred percent accepted. No bringing up the past, no pointing fingers. No giving a lecture. No having to go through a hoop. Just a hundred percent radical acceptance. And this is the message then that we're called to model to other people. And how do we model it? We model it by serving them. Now here's what I know about people who take this very seriously and deeply within themselves. That when they think of serving, they don't think of it as an obligation. They think of it as an opportunity. An opportunity to jump into the stream of this historical thing that's been going on for over 2,000 years of people Loving and sharing the message of Jesus by serving others. Servants of Jesus, they enjoy helping people. They love meeting the needs of other people. It gives them great joy to do that. And they serve the Lord with gladness. Why do they do this? Because they have this vertical relationship. And they're like, Because I love you, I can't just have the vertical part of the cross. I've got to have the horizontal too, where it's me connecting with him deeply and me loving other people deeply. And from the very beginning, uh, the JAR Community Church has kind of had this equation that I've always tried to encourage us to think about. And the equation is this. That the great commandment, that we love God and we love other people, that when you do that, plus when you try to connect with people who are disconnected from Jesus, 
who don't know his teachings. And you connect with them in such a way that they become followers or learners or disciples of him. When you take the great commandment and you add it to this great commission that we talked about in Matthew 28, it becomes a great church. You know, weekly people will approach me and and they'll come up usually on Sundays, sometimes outside of Sundays. Uh, I I had a couple this week that uh, they brought me tomatoes, fresh tomatoes. And uh, they just walked into the office and uh, I was in my office and the secretary got me and they brought me tomatoes and they said, we just wanted you to know, we love the jar. And I think when people say that, most of the time, I think they expect me as a pastor to be like, oh, thank you. You know, like, thank you very much. I'll, I'll pass it on to the leadership. Let them know. Thank you. When people say that to me, you know what I say? Me too. Like, me too. I love this place. In fact, folks, and nothing against other churches in our community. I want all the churches to grow. Uh, they have wonderful ministries. And we want them to to do great things for God. But I went to a lot of churches before we started the jar here in Muncie. And if I didn't work here, I would still come here. And you know why? Because you do stuff together. Like you really love each other. And more importantly, you love God and you see it. And I see it every single week. I'll see someone and I know that they're struggling, like really struggling. Maybe it's a, a homeless guy from the mission. And then I'll see somebody who I know is making six figures, and they're like sitting on the same row. And it gives me no greater joy to, to know that the great commandment plus a great commission, it equals a great church where people don't think about those things. You do it together. And through God's guidance, we've had a great church. Now, here's the deal. To continue doing this, to continue doing this, we need dozens and dozens of people who will step up and who will say, I am not just going to take a seat. I'm going to actually contribute. And I'm going to serve. And when we do that, when there are volunteers coming together serving, we build a great church. And let me be honest with you here. I want you to hear this from me. I I am not content. I'm not content with people sitting in chairs in rows and listening to me teach and thinking that that's it. Because I don't think that's where life change happens. I don't. I don't think your life changes if you just sit in a seat. And you hear biblical teaching. Now that's one part of it. And it's an important part. And we try to do our best at doing that. But more happens, folks, in circles of people. When relationships are built. When you kind of go arm to arm with someone. And you're serving together in some way. And we need dozens and dozens of people together saying, I'm in. Now, when you walked in today, in your program, you should have received a little uh, card that looks like this. If you could pull that out. If you don't have one, just raise your hand, 
and we'll get one to you. Uh, one of the uh, greeters uh, will get that for you. So if you need one, just raise your hand and we'll get it to you. <coughs> Anybody need one? We know if you don't have them, we've marked them. Just joking. If you need one, just raise your hand. We'll get one for you. And what I'd like to do is to just kind of go over this with you real quick. Now, i got to take my glasses off because I'm old, but now I can read it. So it says, below, you can fill out your information and choose what your preferred method of contact is for volunteering. And then on the back of this card, you can circle uh, which volunteer area you'd like to serve in. There's a separate card with all of the volunteer areas and responsibilities that can reference you on the back. So uh, if you go to any of the tables, there'll be a card there that will tell you the descriptions. And if you're serving for the first time, we would encourage you to go back to one of the tables um, because there they can help you kind of explain any of those things. Then kind of give your name, phone number, email address. And then what is your preferred method of contact? Now, we're trying to be good stewards. Uh, in other words, we're trying to uh, use our money wisely. And so uh, we're trying to do as many things as we can electronically. So if you're not in the electronic age, we can still send stuff to you. But it's called snail mail. Okay? It takes longer to get there. But if you can say a phone call, email, text, any of that, that would help me. Then we would uh, encourage you to do that. Now, this is the cool thing, too, that we're doing this time, is that if you go back there, you can choose what week you want to serve in. So you don't have to allow us to randomly figure out what that is. You can go, hey, you know what, uh, the first week or the second week or third week or fourth week, that's when I want to do it, and we'll get all that in. And so you can go back uh, to those tables and do that. Now, on the back, there are some different things that you can check. One, I'm brand new to serving. And if you are, awesome. We're so excited. Uh, I think it will impact your life in a great way, and you'll really grow. Um, this, and you can go back and check any of that out at the tables. The second one says, I already serve and wish to continue serving. So I'm already serving. Many of you are. We're grateful for that. And so um, you can check that. In fact, some of you serve in multiple ways, and we're so thankful uh, for that. Next one there says, I already served, but I wish to serve in a different role. There was a lady here this morning who's been up in the nursery for 10 years, and she looked like this. And I thought, well, maybe she just needs like a different role. You know what I mean? So we put her on setup team instead. You know what I mean? But, uh, you know, if you've done something for a while and you're like, oh, I'd like to switch, great. Just let us know. And then the next one there, I already serve, um, but wish to serve in an additional role. In other words, some of you are like, you know what? Uh, what we ask for is once a month. Just once a month, you would serve in some way. But some of you are like Rambo servers. You're like, you know, once, once is not enough. I want to do more than that. And so if you can, uh, go ahead and do that. And then just circle whatever the area is, and then first or second celebration. Now, if you're here at second, I'm assuming most of you like to sleep in. So don't check first. And we're like, oh, yeah, they're not coming. You know what I mean? Uh, you don't even see the sun until the first celebration's like almost done. Uh, so don't do that. Okay? But what I'd like you to do is just check one or two of these that you can circle and uh, would encourage you to fill this out. And if you're new, go to the tables. If you've served or uh, you don't have any questions, you can stop, 
by the boxes there. There's two boxes. There's a blue one and a uh, neon one, and you can just uh, drop that in. Now, what I'd like to do is invite our uh, volunteer coordinators to come up here real quick. So if they can come, and they're going to stand right here. Let's give them a hand, one big hand, uh, for volunteering. And you might be like, okay, what, what can I serve in? What is some of the areas uh, that I could serve in? And uh, the uh, first one uh, here, come on over here, Steve. You're good. You can be number one. Steve does all of our setup, okay? So he helps coordinate people to set up in the morning. Now, maybe some of you, probably not very many of you, you're not even moving by then. But, you know, maybe you are an early person, but the person you live with is not. Um, what you could do is you could volunteer for setup and you could come and you could set something up. Now, some of you are like setup. How is that what you just talked about, about reaching out to people who are disconnected from Christ and the church, serving them, loving them, uh, that kind of thing? Um, well, this is the point. If you're disconnected from Christ and the church and you walk in for the first time, it's really nice to have a chair to sit in. And it's really nice to have a chair that gives you enough knee room, right? Like, have you ever been to an auditorium before where you're like, oh my goodness, how am I going to make it, you know? Or on an airplane, right? And so, like, it's important because this is what happens. People walk through those doors, they find a seat, they see everything set up, they look and they're like, this isn't even a gym anymore. I mean, there's a backdrop and all of a sudden, God starts talking to them. And then their lives get changed and their families get changed. And it all happened because someone set up a chair. The next one is Stephanie, who oversees our uh, Jar Kids ministry. And uh, Stephanie uh, works. That's good. (laughs) And our Jar Kids meets upstairs. So if you have an infant up until fifth grade, that's where they're at. And I was thinking today, I can't imagine a better way that you could invest and impact a life than to do Jar Kids. To actually help kids learn more about God and then to learn how to love Him in a new way. And my kids uh, receive the benefit of this. My kids are up there and so they come and they tell us, you know, these are the things I'm learning. And what an impact that is. And let me just challenge the men right now. So if you want to man up, it's football day, right? You want to man up? You want to man up? We have, some, we have some kids that are up there that they don't have very many male influences in their life. And I can't think of a better impact you could make in the life of a young kid than to let them see a role model of a male who loves God and who's connecting with them. And so, you want to man up? If you don't, if you want to be a wuss, don't sign up for it, all right? (laughs) Sorry, I got a good friend in the second row, so I just had to. But I've got that same effect for every male. Uh, If you want to man up, that's the way to do it, okay? But you can impact lives. You really can. Uh, Next is, sorry about that, Shane. (laughs) <laughs> now everybody's going to be like, dude, if he's not doing it, we're going to get it. No, I'm sorry. All right. Uh, next is Mikey. Uh, Mikey oversees our uh, media. 
And so when you walk in and uh, there is, I really feel bad about that. <laughs> uh, my eyes just got real connected there for a second. So if, uh, you know, if you look at the screens, those things, the sound, the music, all that kind of stuff. If you're like a techie person, you love computers, um, you love to like work on that, then uh, Mikey's the guy. Uh, Derek oversees our student uh, ministry that happens at night. Uh, Middle school and high school students. And uh, I was just thinking about it this morning that some of you, you had some big landmines, you know, during that time of your life. Like there were some landmines in your adolescence that you hit. And... Wouldn't it be amazing if you could, like, give some of your time and maybe help one of our middle school or high school students not to have to go through that? And you could help direct them, say, hey, don't make the mistakes I made. And you could, you could do that. Uh, next is Don and Chris Ross. Um, <coughs> they do our uh, hospitality ministry. And... Um, it's such an amazing thing. People greeting people out in the parking lot. And when you first walk in the front door and at a jar cafe and guest connections and uh, also the resource table, that all of those places are where we use our hospitality folks. And I was just thinking that um, many of you, you think the message starts when I get up here? And the reality is the message starts long before that. The message starts when people are greeted in the parking lot, when there's a smile, when there's something uh, where you're encouraging other people, when you get a donut or water or whatever, and that's where it starts. And so if you want to help with hospitality, uh, Chris and Don is that. And then finally is Gary, uh, who does our teardown. And uh, Gary helps organize our teardown and... I don't know if you know this, but all this stuff just doesn't magically go away. You know, it's not like Mary Poppins. You don't just go, it's all gone. Uh, You actually have to tear stuff down. And so uh, if you can stay to help with that, even today, uh, that would be really, really great. And then poor Gary won't have to have all this stuff on his back. You know what I mean? Uh, So help Gary. But if you can help with tear down. And again, we're just asking for once a month. So let's uh, thank our coordinators again, and they will be in the back to be able to connect. So I want to encourage you to sign up, and then I want to encourage you to show up. Because this is what happens. We do these a couple times a year, and people are like, yes, I'm going to do it. You know, I'm like for it. And, and they sign up, and then all of a sudden, like November 23rd comes, they're like, oh, man, I am not going in there today, you know. And we're like, dude, you signed up. Show up. For instance, uh, if you had tickets to Denver and Colts, you had to sign up for that, right? You had to go online. You had to get your plane tickets, whatever. Wouldn't it be, like, would you show up? And and now you have, like, the greatest organism in the history of the church, or is the church, in the history of the world, the church. You get to be a part of it, and when you sign up, 